0: Now to emerging technology that makes it possible for people who are hard of hearing to feel music through their skin. Earlier this year at Ability Fest, Australia's first all accessible music festival founded by Dylan Alcott, concert goers had the opportunity to try haptic suits, a wearable device that enables users to experience music as vibrations on their skin. Most of us are probably familiar with the capacity of mobile phones or watches and gaming consoles to vibrate for effect. But it seems that haptic technology, as it's known, is, well, really buzzing. Dr. Mark Fletcher is a Senior Research Fellow at the Institute of Sound and Vibration Research at the University of Southampton. And he recently published a paper in the journal Scientific Reports, which is published by Nature, exploring if haptics using multiple frequencies can improve speech perception for hearing-impaired listeners. Dr. Mark Fletcher, welcome to RN. Hi, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Now, the uh, the Music Festival wearable promo gear talks about a surround body experience and it's got like a harness two wristbands two ankle bands eight distinct areas of vibration across the user's body now that sounds like a good marketing pitch but is there really potential for haptic technology like that to enhance the perception of music or speech Uh, So there's
1: certainly uh, potential for it to enhance Um, the problem with those sort of devices. So there were devices like that around in the 1980s, actually, and 1990s used clinically. Back then, the technology was developed to a point that you needed big suits like that to deliver haptic stimulation at different points on the body. And the problem people hit was that you you can imagine, especially in, in older people, putting on a big suit like that. Is not something they're necessarily going to want to do every day. They can mm. be quite bulky, that kind of thing. So our focus has been more to something compact, a small wristband or multiple wristbands, uh, for that reason. But for art projects and things more like the the one you described, big music projects, certainly uh, very
0: viable for that. I gather there's been a bit of a revolution and significant advances in this haptic technology space. What's driven that and what does it change in terms of the potential for the technology to help people who are deaf or hard of hearing?
1: Yeah, so the drivers have been things like uh, actually the metaverse with uh, Facebook's big focus. So there you go. Virtual reality. So they were trying to push haptic technology to make their metaverse more realistic. You also have smartphone technology where they're trying to get more sophisticated uh, vibration patterns. So Apple had been leading there, but other phone companies trying to catch up and gaming as well. So they're the big companies and uh, funders that are pushing that. And then we're sort of taking advantage of that. So that's development in the shakers that we would use to so allowing us to deliver more sophisticated haptic stimulation, more sophisticated vibration patterns. Uh, But at the same time, in basically every other key technology to this kind of thing, so wireless technology, that's pushed on a long way. That means we can connect to things like remote microphones. So you can have a microphone, your friend could be holding it, get better audio signal to convert to vibration. That could be uh, connecting to things like doorbells or uh, oven alarms and baby monitors, that kind of thing. So there's that technology that's pushed on a long way as well. Uh, Computer chip technology, microprocessor technology and battery technology pushed by smartphones. Again, key to the sort of things we're developing. And then from our point of view as a smaller operation uh, research group, 3D printing has also been huge. So the fact that we could come up with a design, 3D print a flexible wristband uh, in a day, not like the design, next day, do a different design, try it out.
0: Now, even with my level of very, very rudimentary and quite distant scientific knowledge, I remember that in the ear, you know, hearing has a lot to do with vibration, but how does something that might vibrate, say on your wrist, potentially help with the perception of speech? So
1: one of the things I think it's important to realise is how flexible your brain is and how unfussy it is about where it gets the information. So if it can't get the sound information from your ear, it's not actually that fussy, Uh, about it coming in as vibration. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because if you're learning to use a new tool or something like that, you'd want your brain to be flexible. It's one of the things we sort of specialize in as humans. Uh, An example to make that a bit more concrete, perhaps, if you think of a piano. So what you've got is the concept in sound of sort of high and low pitches, but it's sort of weird. It's not really high up and low down. And now you're using a piano, pitches, buttons over to the left, and buttons over to the right. So buttons over to the left being lower pitches, buttons over to the right being higher pitches. And people get that very easily and quickly. I think a key thing to appreciate how this is working is that your brain is very, very flexible and, and it likes to link information together to build its model of the world.
0: On Sunday Extra, we're speaking with Dr. Mark Fletcher, who runs a lab that's looking at the use of haptic technology to improve speech perception, and is senior research fellow at the Institute of Sound and Vibration Research at the University of Southampton. What does it actually feel like when you've got one of these devices on?
1: Yeah, so you're getting sound information through the feeling of different textures. Um, so you can feel different textures. You feel different pitches, as we've been mentioning. Uh, on our devices, it will also move around the wrist so you'll feel movements in the vibration at different points around the wrist and then one of the things the most intuitive thing we've done is we've been converting sound from behind the ears and delivering that onto each wrist and that allows us to deliver cues for sound localization so you end up with this really simple natural map which is if the sound's over to the left it will feel more intense on your left wrist because the sound is more intense in your left ear (laughs) if it's over to the right it will feel more intense on your right wrist uh, so that's another way we're delivering the information. You can work out where it is by how intense it is uh, on each wrist.
0: So it sounds like what it's doing is creating, if you like, a grammar of feeling that translates to sounds. In a way, are you learning a sort of physical language of sound? Yeah, there's a, it's, a, it's a funny sort of
1: advantage we've got. When you, when you develop hearing-assisted devices and, and for the ears rather than haptic hearing aids, you're sort of limited by the fact that your brain expects things to come in in a certain way. So it expects frequencies to be distributed basically as they are out in the world. With haptic stimulation, you don't have that limitation. There is no existing map. It, all the patterns are weird. So you can distort things and play with things and, and try and find cleverer ways to get information through. Uh, you've got more scope for doing that.
0: And is the nature of this sort of thing that it's likely to be of more benefit to users who take on haptic technology at a much earlier age? We don't know, but I would
1: expect so. One of the groups that we think we can probably help a lot are people in uh, poorer countries who can't access devices like cochlear implants. There's a huge population of people across the world who can't access cochlear implants because they have to be implanted, uh, so you need quite sophisticated healthcare infrastructure. Cochlear implants are expensive, so you've got a lot of children who are not able to benefit much from school So the the hope is that we can change that. We can at least contribute to helping uh, those people as well, which is why I underlined uh, the low-cost part of this. So it's not implanted. You don't need any advanced healthcare infrastructure there. And the devices should be low-cost. None of the core components are expensive. I'm sure companies will find a way to make them expensive. But But that's not
0: your part of the job.
1: (laughs) Yeah, core technologies aren't expensive.
0: Well, all power to the people who are trying to do it for health benefits rather than marketing bars. (laughs) Mark Fletcher, thanks so much. Thank you. Mark Fletcher is a Senior Research Fellow at the University of Southampton's Institute of Sound and Vibration Research and heads up the EHS Lab, which focuses on improving hearing by presenting missing sound information through vibrations on the skin. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.